Welcome to Mark Connor's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au. Uh, leading up to Easter, we're doing three messages called Stories from Around the Cross. As we move towards Easter, today we're going to look at the supper. Next week, uh, we've got a message from Andrew Chisholm on the betrayal. And then the following week, I'll be speaking again on the denial. As we look at some of the stories that happen around the cross and how they can speak to your heart and my life today. So today we're turning to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14. If you've been doing our Bible reading, you would have noticed in turn one, we did the Gospel of Mark. Some of you may be wondering what happened to Matthew. Don't worry, we'll get to Matthew a little later. We just thought we'd do Mark first. It's a much better Gospel. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't my idea, but uh, many of our sermons this year have been from, uh, or this term, I should say, the Gospel of Mark. So we're going to read Mark 14, verses 12 to 26 today. And so I'm reading from the New Living Translation. You follow on in whatever version you have there today. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go to prepare the Passover meal for you? So Jesus sent two of them into Jerusalem with these instructions. As you go into the city, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house, he enters. Say to the owner, the teacher says, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. So the disciples went into the city and found everything just as Jesus had said. And so they prepared the Passover meal there. In the evening, Jesus arrived with the 12 disciples. As they were at the table eating, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, one of you eating with me here will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, am I the one? (laughs) Isn't it interesting how self-focused we are? Instead of saying, oh no, Jesus, are you going to be okay? Everyone goes, am I the one? We, we kind of uh, are very much like that, aren't we? Uh, and Jesus replied, It is one of you twelve who is eating from this bowl with me. For the Son of Man must die, as the Scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it would be for the one who betrays him. It would be far better for that man if he'd never been born. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, for this is my body. He took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and they all drank from it. He said to them, this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. I tell you the truth, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. Uh, Father, today, thank you that the same Holy Spirit who inspired Mark to write these words down 2,000 years ago is here today to bring them alive for us today. As we look at this amazing supper, I pray that you would speak to us and help us to see the significance of this particular sacrament that you've given us as your followers to, to, to participate in, in Jesus' wonderful name. Everyone said amen. 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 Isn't it interesting how, as humans, we often link significant moments with a significant meal? 
whether it's a Christmas lunch with the family, uh, whether it's a birthday here at City Life, we celebrate staff birthdays once a month. And so this last Wednesday, we had our staff meeting and uh, it was March birthdays. And so at our morning tea, we got everyone who was born in March lined up in order and we sing this amazing rendition of happy birthday that would bring tears to a glass eye. Uh, It's actually really out of tune, but everyone has a lot of fun with it. And we sing happy birthday and then we have this morning tea together. It's, It's a great time. Uh, Last Tuesday was Nicole's birthday and our daughter Natasha is training to be a chef and so she put this gourmet picnic together and our whole family went up to Berwick Botanical Gardens and had a picnic together. There's something about a meal linked with a significant moment that creates something really special. It's more than just the food, it's the people eating the meal together and it's even more than words can say. There's this bonding, there's this sense of through celebrating the moment, having the meal, we are connecting at a deep level and expressing a love and an honor for one another that's really, really special. Well, let's think about Passover. We've just read a story of Jesus celebrating Passover. Uh, Maybe just come back with me in your mind to 100 years earlier, and let's kind of drop in on a Jewish family who's about to have Passover, and maybe just try to understand why this meal was so important to them. All day long, there's been a growing excitement and a sense of something important about to happen. People are running about town, doing all their shopping in a hurry, and then suddenly... Everything goes quiet in the town. Each family is gathering around the family table. It's a holy day. The Jews call it Passover, which literally means passing over. And the head of the table, the man, begins to speak. Actually, he starts to tell a story. A story about how they were once slaves in Egypt. And everyone seems to know the story. They've heard it before. They're smiling. They're nodding as the story's unfolding. He says something like this, we are the people of Abraham, the people called by God to be the light of the world. And we went down into Egypt and we were slaves there. But God brought us up out of Egypt with a mighty hand and a stretched out arm. He condemned the Egyptians, but he passed over us. He brought us up through the Red Sea and into the wilderness. He gave us his law. He brought us into our promised land. And the story goes on and on, telling about the Exodus and at one point the little boy the youngest boy in the family has a line and he pipes up and says why is this night different from all the other nights because says his father this is the night when our God the holy one blessed be he came down to Egypt and rescued us from the Egyptians all this happened so long ago, but it's like this family is connecting with those first families. It's like they're united with every Jewish family taking this meal everywhere in the world. It's the same night and the meal is making them one. This meal, this supper tells them who they are. It tells them who God is, a God who loved them and rescued them. You know, life was never easy for the Jewish people, but they are God's people. And this meal was a reminder. And by eating the meal together, they were sharing in that story, God's story. No wonder this night and this meal were so special to the Jewish people. Well, if we could fast forward from that imaginary supper and meal now to Jesus. Jesus was a Jew. His disciples were Jews. And they had this tradition of this Passover meal that had been around for generations. And so they're now going to get ready to celebrate the Passover. 
We know that Jesus is a greater than Moses. Jesus is about to lead his 12. He's about to confront a more powerful ruler than Pharaoh himself. And so they begin to gather. The disciples get everything ready. They get the room together. But then there's a twist in the story. Jesus is the head of this family group gathering. He doesn't go back and talk about Egypt. He starts to say how this Passover meal is now finding fulfillment in himself. He's taking the bread and saying, this is my body. He's taking the cup and saying, this is my blood. Imagine the disciples, their heads are spinning. What what do you mean? It's you. What do you mean? Do this in remembrance of you. Jesus is saying how this experience of his upcoming death and resurrection is fulfilling this Passover meal that has been celebrated for generations. There's no lamb on the table because the lamb is at the table about to take the sins of the entire world. Well, let's fast forward a couple of decades now. Imagine uh, around 56 AD, and you'll find followers of Christ all through the Roman Empire gathering in homes, no longer celebrating the Passover, but celebrating this supper, this meal that Jesus instituted. Jesus has paid a once-for-all sacrifice. It doesn't need to keep happening. And then he rose again, and it's like anyone who believes this becomes part of a new family, a family that eats together. Rich and poor, men and women, slave and free, gathering around bread, his body, wine, his blood. And it's like Jesus is right there with them as they celebrate this supper together. You know, here at City Life, communion, the supper, is a, is a high value. And it's really important that we not allow this just to become a ritual or something we do just out of habit. And we lose the meaning and significance of it. A communion can be referred to as the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist, which means Thanksgiving. Some people refer it to the table or to the Last Supper. But Jesus himself instituted the Supper, and as you read the book of Acts, his followers continue to celebrate it, and that continues to this day. The Apostle Paul wrote about this just 20 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. And in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 24, he says, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. And then he goes on to talk about examining yourself as you come to this supper. And so today I want to share a number of ways that we can look at this supper, which we're about to partake together as a church. There's a number of ways that we can look at it and really plumb the depth of its meaning for us as followers of Christ today. Uh, first of all, as we come to this communion, to this supper, it's a time to look backward. We do this in remembrance of Jesus. And, you know, remembering is very, very important. It's interesting here in Australia with Anzac Day and Remembrance Day, how important it is to stop and think about those who gave their lives for our freedom. In the same way, for for those of us who are followers of Christ, it's easy to forget what Jesus has done for us. And so in communion, we look back and we realize Jesus died on a cross. 
Not as an accident, not as a martyr, but he took my place. He took your place. He died for my sin, for your sin. And you know, it's very easy, the longer you're a Christian, just to become a little familiar with that, just to forget the incredible pain and agony Jesus went through so that you and I could be forgiven. And so today, as we partake, we look back, we remember, and we thank Jesus who died on that cross so that we could be saved and forgiven and shown the mercy of God. Secondly, we don't just look back as a a kind of a memorial, but we also look forward. Uh, Paul says that we are showing forth his death till he comes. You and I are, are a people in between the past and the future, between the now and the not yet. Because on the cross, Jesus conquered sin, Jesus conquered sickness, Jesus conquered death, Jesus conquered Satan, the devil himself. But how many know those things are still not fully defeated? Anyone noticed a little sin around in our world? Yeah, it's kind of everywhere, including in your heart and mine. And notice that people are still sick. Notice that people still die. Notice that the devil is still at work in our world. Well, what's going on? Well, yes, Jesus won a victory, but when he returns the second time, that victory will be completely enacted, and there'll be no more sin, no more sickness, no more death, the last enemy to be destroyed, and Satan himself will be defeated and cast into a lake of fire. And so as we take communion today, Today. We don't just look back. Our hope is looking forward that there will be a day when there'll be no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears, no more death. I don't know about you. I'm pretty excited about that day. Yeah, come on. Thank Jesus for that. And so we're not just looking back doing a memorial. We're a people who have hope for the future, that God is making the world right. It's not there yet, but there is a day when he returns when all wrongs will be made right. And so we look forward through this supper, this communion time. Thirdly, it's it's a time to look inward. It's a time to examine ourselves, not in some kind of uh, introspective manner where we come under the condemnation of the enemy. No, no, no. It's a time to realize, yes, we're forgiven. Yes, Jesus paid the price for my sin. But like David, it's a time to say, search me, O God, and know my heart. Is there anything in my life that needs dealing with? God's given every one of us a conscience. And I once heard a story of an American Indian who was asked by a little boy, what's a conscience? And the American Indian gave a very powerful metaphor. He says, your conscience is like a wooden triangle on the inside of you. And when you do something wrong, it turns and scrapes the edge of your heart and you feel a bit of pain. If you ignore that pain, eventually the edges wear off and you do something wrong and it spins and you don't feel anything anymore. What a profound picture. Your conscience is there and the Holy Spirit works with your conscience. Uh, The Holy Spirit never comes to condemn. Condemnation is this kind of, I'm a bad person. The Holy Spirit always comes to convict. It's very specific. And so as we come to the table, it's a time to examine our hearts and say, God, is there anything I've done this week or anything in my life that I need to repent of and bring to you? Is there anyone I've offended? It's a time to examine ourselves, to look inward at this table. 
fourthly, it's a time to look upward, to look upward. See, Jesus didn't just die. Jesus isn't just coming one day somewhere in the future. Jesus is alive right now. He rose from the dead. And so in the communion, we look up because Jesus is present with us at the table. Jesus is the great I am right here, right now. And so that means if Jesus is at the table, then everything you need is at the table. You need peace today. You need hope today. You need encouragement today. You need healing today. Well, we look up at this table because Jesus is alive. Jesus is here. Jesus is present among us. Look upward. Uh, Fifthly, it's a time to look around the table at this supper because we aren't alone at the table. We're here with brothers and sisters in Christ. In fact, as we celebrate communion today, we're joining with Christians all around the world who are celebrating this supper. We're joining with Christians all through history who have celebrated this supper. We are gathered as a family of brothers and sisters in Christ. And so none of us are to sit at the table alone. We're to look around. Uh, One writer says this, what binds Christians together is not their common education. It's not their common race. We've got 105 nationalities here in city life. It's not their common income levels. It's not their common politics. I think we'd all agree with that. It's not their common nationality. It's not their common accents. It's not their common jobs or anything else of the sort. Christians come together because they have been saved by Jesus Christ. They are a band of natural enemies who love one another because of Jesus. I love that. We're at a table. We're about to celebrate a supper and look around. We're all really different. We're all not alike. We're all unique. But because of Jesus, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so this is to be a a table of unity, a table of love. If you've studied church history, what's really sad is that this supper that's supposed to be an experience that binds us together in love and unity has been the source of great controversy, of even bitterness and division. In fact, some people have been burnt at the stake, if you can believe it or not, for believing the wrong things about this supper. Just this week, I was reading Tom Wright's book, The Meal Jesus Gave Us, and he says this. Two men are sitting in a castle in southern Germany. They are aware of being on the leading edge of something new, something bigger than both of them. They want to get it right. They argue. They disagree. Eventually, one of them dips his finger in his beer froth. They're Germans, okay? Uh, And writes some words on the table. The other cannot agree. They go their separate ways, disappointed. Who are they? The men are Martin Luther and Ulrich Zwingli. If you're stuck for a baby name, Ulrich may be making a comeback. Luther and Zwingli. The year is 1529. The place is Marburg. The dispute, what are they arguing about? The presence of Jesus Christ in the communion, in the Eucharist, in the Mass. They both agreed that the Roman Catholic Church had got it wrong with its doctrine of transubstantiation. Luther disagreed with that, but not by much. He held on to the idea of an inner substance. He said the substance of Christ's body and the substance of the bread were both present. Zwingli went much further. The bread remained the bread, and that's all there was to it. At best, it could signify Christ's body, but it could not in any sense be the thing itself. 
Luther's strong point was that Jesus said at the Last Supper, this is my body. And so he wrote in Latin with his beer froth on the table, hoc est corpus mus. He underlined S. This doesn't just signify this is Christ's body, he said. (laughs) And the Lutheran and the Reformed churches have disagreed on that matter ever since. Meanwhile, someone less well-known than Luther in Zwingli was studying the scriptures. His name was Johannes Oeklampadius. There you go. That's a cool name. And he realized that Jesus actually didn't speak Latin. Jesus spoke Aramaic. And as he was studying the scriptures in Aramaic, he realized that in Jesus' sentence, there wasn't a word for is. Jesus literally said this, my body. (laughs) The space, the dash was too pregnant for logical analysis. What mattered most was that those that came to the Lord's Supper did feed on Christ. And so here's Lutheran Zwingli arguing, arguing over the word is, and the word is actually wasn't even in the original language. And yet they're fighting at the table. How many are thankful that the church has grown up and matured beyond our disagreements and divisions now? Aren't you pleased about that? That's why we have 45,000 denominations today, all with their view being the right view. You know, I'm not saying doctrine's not important. I'm not saying uh, truth is not important. But let's never forget that We look around the table. We may all be different. We may all have some different views and perspectives. But if you love Jesus, then we're brothers and sisters at the table. Here at City Life, we believe the bread remains the bread. It doesn't undergo some change. But in a supernatural way, we can feed on Christ as we partake of this supper today. Number six, we look backward, first of all. We look forward. We look inward. We look upward. We look around Sixthly, we look outward beyond this table. See, this table, this supper, has a couple of empty chairs at it. It's not a us for no more. Jesus said a good shepherd leaves the 99 at the table and goes and finds that one. And so as we come to this table today, it's a reminder that we're here. We know of Jesus. We know his forgiveness and his love. But there are still many in our world that haven't heard. It's about focusing on that one as we come to this table and praying and believing for them to also experience the saving grace of Jesus. And so as you can see, this supper has a rich and deep meaning, a meal attached to some significant moments. And I pray that these different perspectives will help you ensure that as we celebrate this here at City Life, it doesn't just become an empty ritual. A couple of questions that I'm sometimes asked about communion. Some people say, what about children? Should children be allowed to take of communion? It's interesting when you study the Passover tradition, uh, Passover was celebrated by the entire family, including the kids. In fact, the youngest child in the family had a part to play in the telling of the drama and the story. And so I've always grown up in a family when Sharon and I were little, uh, my parents allowed us to participate in communion, but not in a disrespectful manner. They always sat down and said, they 
explain what the bread meant. This is Jesus' body broken for you. They explain what the cup meant. And so I believe that this is an experience. This is a sacrament for the whole family. And we should teach our children its meaning, but include them as they come of age. Other people say, well, how, how often should we celebrate this supper? And some churches do it once a quarter. Some churches do it once a month. Here at City Life, we celebrate communion a couple of times a month. But we also encourage our life groups to have communion together. It's a wonderful thing you can do as a life group. Um, and you can do as a family. Uh, you know, some churches make it a very high liturgical thing that needs to be led by official leaders. Uh, we believe that really this was originally a meal and then became a separate sacrament. But uh, it's not just at church that you can have this. As pastors, sometimes we go to the hospital and we have communion with the person in the hospital and pray for them. And so Paul says, as often as you do this. And so there's no set frequency. It's a very important meal linking to some significant moments that should be a meaningful experience in our life. Uh, in just a few moments, we're going to celebrate the supper together. And I'm going to encourage you just to take some time and think about what perspective God may be speaking to you about today. Maybe as we celebrate today, it's a time for you to look back and maybe you've taken a little for granted the joy of your salvation. Maybe today is just, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. May I never take that for granted. Maybe for you, it's looking forward and realizing maybe life's a bit tough right now, but there's a hope. Jesus is making things right. Maybe for you this morning, it's, it's looking inward and maybe the Holy Spirit just wants to turn that conscience and maybe there's a, a relationship you need to get right today. Maybe for you, it's looking upward and just realizing Jesus is here right now. Your peace, your joy, everything you need is in him. Maybe you need to look around. Have you been arguing with someone at the table about some doctrine or some view or some perspective? Maybe it's just a time to realize, hey, truth is important, but love is even more important, how we treat brothers and sisters in Christ. Or maybe at this table today, it's a time to look outward. And even as we partake in a few moments, just to, to be praying for that one person in your family, that one person in your neighborhood. Who knows, a little later this year, maybe they'll be sitting with you at this table together. Maybe that's your focus today. And so I'm going to ask those who are serving our communion today to come forward at this time and to begin to distribute the bread and the cup. We'll wait till everyone's received and then we will partake together. The worship team's also coming forward and uh, I'm going to ask them to lead us while we uh, prepare to partake today. Father, I pray that this supper that your son Jesus instituted 2,000 years ago would not just be a ritual or something we do just because we've got some things to fill in some time with, that it would be a meaningful meal connected to some meaningful moments. And as we look backward, as we look forward, as we look inward, as we look upward, as we look around, as we look outward, Lord, this table, this supper would be a rich and meaningful experience for each one of us in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au.